Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 30 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Choroki Sentai O-Ranger. Every week, well, I mean, you know what I mean. Most uh, most weeks. <laughs> every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J, and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Welcome back. Oh, it's good to be, yeah, thanks man. It's good to, it's good to be back. Um... I've been traveling for just a really long time, uh, so it's good to be home. And uh, sorry, um, sorry guys that we haven't had new episodes. I mean, there have been new episodes. We're a little bit behind on, I guess, on O Ranger. But um, yeah, I think this this is the part of the podcast where you apologize for the podcast. Yeah, um, which uh-huh. I think is an important part of any podcast. Yeah, and any <laughs> yeah. Listen, we could have recorded ahead, but what do we look like, Ranger Danger? That's not. No. That's not how we do things here. No, I, listen, I know a lot of people do, but uh, we we have a different system. And our different system is relying on Mark to pick up the slack. Hey! Which he did, admirably. Uh, yeah, so thanks, I hope I hope you guys like Live Man and Spider-Man, because uh, those, I mean, you you know, that's what we had for the last two weeks. That's what I'm we not, did, yeah. This is not news to you that those were the episodes we had. Um, And they were good, man. Dude, Live, Dave, at some point you should watch Live Man. Live Man is very fun. Yeah, no, I uh, I did go back earlier today, and I was reading your Twitter feed, and that gif you posted with uh with where he does the fire sword looks very very cool. Oh yeah, so. dude, they're like weird flaming sword. Because the thing about Live Man is it's of an era of the show where all the special effects are just like hand drawn animation put on top of the like film cells. Right, um, no, I dig it a lot. I think it's, it's very got cool. it's got such a good aesthetic. But that that is for a different sort of side project, Dave, uh, that we do when you're not here. But this week you are here, and we are talking about episode thirty of Cherokee Sentai Air Ranger. It's called "The Earth's Sleeping Like a Log." But of course, before we get into that, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, in an act of super fandom. That if it came from anybody else, I think I might genuinely start, like, getting the paperwork together for a restraining order. (laughs) Producer Mark has gone through and re-listened to at least enough of the five stars of every single episode of this show. Of which I think this, what we are recording right now, Matt, is episode 199. Uh, And he has... Yeah. And and ask me why I know that, because he has created a comprehensive list of every single star, numbered by episode, and has also done, like, a little bit of data science. Yeah. So we now have a running tally of all of our, like, most used topics. I think the thing that we have talked about the most is what it looks like is movies. We've talked about movies the most... Do you have it open right now? I do have it open right now, yeah. I pulled it up so we could talk about this. We talked about movies 60 times. Wow. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, sorry. Video games. Video games is in it 85. Okay. Video now, games are in it 85 times, 60 that, times on does movies. That, does that include, like, all of the times we talked about Fallout 4, or is that an entirely separate uh, thing? Well, Fallout does have its own category, and we did talk about Fallout 12 times. <laughs> 
but I don't know if he counted them for both. So I, I guess I would have to ask. So our biggest category is video games, 85 times. And then after that is movies at 60. Just in under that is food slash restaurants at 57. And then I think the next most common theme is Super Sentai Power Ranger stuff, which makes a lot of sense. And then there's a bunch of things that have like between 25 and 35 mentions. So like sure. the Marvel Cinematic Universe has 35 mentions. I don't know if that's also counted under movies. I would guess it it has been. Yeah, I so. think he's probably got some subcategories going on. Um, and then do is bus update and commute update counted together? No. Okay. No, there have been 16 commute updates, 7 bus updates, 5 walk updates, 8... I'm, maybe I should just tell you. 8 baby watches, 12 f- hashtag fun office, uh, 23 plays slash musical news, seven, 7 tags on trim healthy mama slash lifestyle guru... 20 on comic book, 7 on Netrunner, 24 on board slash card games, 30 on tabletop RPGs, 14 on LARP, 6 on everybody's favorite spirit, Scotch, 60 on movies, 5 on Mystery Science Theater, 3000 alone. Uh, uh, as I mentioned, those coming up, not this week, but... Oh, uh, yeah, you're going to listen to them. Uh, 85 times video games, Fallout 12 times, Assassin's Creed 7 times, uh, 10 black holes, which over the course of 200 episodes, we only had 10 negative things to talk about. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, we stopped doing those because they're a huge bummer. Yeah, well, you know, every once in a while, you just got to talk about something. Uh, eight times we've talked about Pokemon Go. 23 times we've talked about Nintendo. 25 times we've talked about just other podcasts. Oh, wait, uh, I am looking at the... Yeah, so Mario Kart 8, for example, is counted in both video games and Nintendo. Okay. So some of these are fi- fitting in two categories. Uh, Matt's car is busted. We talked about seven times. We talked about food restaurants 57 times. Holidays 35 times. Birthdays 11 times. WWE slash wrestling 31 times, the Marvel wow. Cinematic Universe 35 times, uh, Dave's on break slash Dave is a jerk 11 times, and then uh, 17 times we've had a guest. We, wait, guest host 17 times? Maybe that's we've had a guest host or we've talked about being a guest host on somebody else's show? That may well be. It, it was very weird. I went back and I was reading through these, and it's kind of weird because... In some ways, like, I don't go back and re-listen to the old episodes much. Um, Yeah, not a lot, no. I mean, I do it occasionally when I'm feeling nostalgic. But the thing about the old episodes is the way we structure the five stars is they're kind of a, like, it's kind of like a running, like, diary for us a little bit. It is a little bit. So I'm looking at episode 13, and that's when I bought an Xbox One. Oh, yeah. Good times. Yeah. Like, in episode, I think in episode two or three, I had just turned 30. Yeah, you had, which is real crazy. Um, And so going back, it's like reading, like, my memoirs, but someone else wrote them down. Yeah, it is a little <laughs> bit weird. So, hey, Matt, how is that, in episode 15, you talked about ordering a mattress. How's that mattress holding up for you these years later? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I actually just put uh, just did some laundry earlier today, and I was just before we started recording putting some fresh sheets on it. Isn't that the best? I'm always embarrassed by, like, when I put fresh sheets on the bed, I'm like, why did I do this? Like, you just don't think about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like, you do it, and you're like, oh, I should have done that ages ago. Now that I'm an adult, I am, I'm a lot better about it, but I was younger. That was, uh, it's a habit I had to build. Let me say when that. When we were way. a younger man. Yeah. yeah. What, like when we started this podcast four, <laughs> uh, almost four years ago. Um, wow, it really was. Yeah. What, what, like, what is also kind of embarrassing is there are bits in there where I'm like, 
oh yeah, I'm going to do this. Like there are stars where I am making declarative statements about actions that I'm going to take. And then I think about it I'm like, yeah, no, I never did that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but occasionally I follow through. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I know he, Mark put it up and I, I want to say I retweeted it. Uh, so if you go back through my uh, the the Twitter feed, I'll I'll probably re retweet it uh, once this episode goes up. Uh, but yeah, it is a at least for me and Dave a fascinating read. Your mileage may vary. As <laughs> <laughs> oh, so is, thanks, uh, thank you, producer Mark, for for doing that for us, Matt. What is our second star of the week, Dave? Second star of the week is uh, over the time that we've been away. Um, we had the Fourth of July. Yes. Uh, happy Happy Fourth of July. Happy birthday, America. Uh, and so I was on the fourth going down to see some fireworks because I am a big fireworks guy. I know that Love they him. like. I know they I are know. not. I know they are not for everyone. Um, and I respect that. But for me, they are they are wonderful. Um, so I was going down to like the lakeside riverfront downtown area, um, to go see some, and I was walking through a part of town and I saw a like a fancy one horse horse trailer like the sort of thing you attach to like the back of a truck to like transport your horse when you're going further than the horse would go itself just by running mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about yeah um they're they're a weird thing to exist when you think about them but you know whatever um anyway it, it was fancily painted and it had this slogan on it it said hinge town stables now for those of you who are not from Cleveland, or specifically the west side of Cleveland, you will know. Or you oh, wait a minute. No, because we've talked about Hingetown before. Yeah. The thing about Hingetown is that it doesn't really exist. It is one intersection. Uh, it's like the intersection of uh, Church Street and West 29th Street, sort of up uh, until you hit Detroit. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's it. It's like a block. And it is not a block in the part of town where there are stables or I have ever seen a horse. And I worked, like, right there for about four years. And I want to be clear. There was not a horse in or near this horse trailer. It was just sitting in what I have always assumed to be an abandoned lot. Could it have been a modified food truck? Now, dude, there was a picture of a horse on it. Like a painting of a horse. Uh, and there was not, there did not appear to be a grill or anything in it. I mean, honestly, a food truck would make a lot more sense in that part of town. Uh, and so now I'm just, I'm just kind of fascinated about like how this fancy, like recently purchased, you can tell, recently purchased and decorated horse trailer. Like, where's the horse? I don't. Is, yeah, I, is there I a horse know. lost somewhere on West 29th Street? Here's here's what I'll tell you. Uh, Hingetown Stables returns does not return any direct results. Okay. On Google, Hingetown does come up. Well, they paid a lot for that uh, marketing campaign. There, there's a website, Matt. Hingetown.com. Uh, I. <laughs> Dude, they desperately need somebody else to write the ad copy for their website. Can I just okay? Hingetown. This is. I'm just to be clear. I'm quoting. All right. At no point am I going to deviate from this script. Script starting now. Here we okay. go. Hingetown is a part of the Ohio City neighborhood in Cleveland. Hingetown has a kick-ass art museum, unbelievably delicious coffee, the best florist, 
dynamic residential opportunities, <laughs> and much, much more. It's located between Ohio City's Market District, Gordon Square Arts District, and the Warehouse District, end quote. And that's just like... <laughs> hey, listen, now, I will say, they do need someone else to write the copy. They got a great florist. Okay, I, <laughs> the, the best florist. I, I like the idea that there is a singular florist. They're like, it's the best, though. Hey, listen, uh, like, the art museum is cool. They've got a great coffee shop. But I do love that they're, it's not a good florist. It's not the best florist in town. Apparently, it is the best the florist. The best florist. Anyway, so Hingetown Stables doesn't come up with anything. So, so I got nothing for you, dude. There's just like a ghost house. Ghost house, ghost horse, loose, and you're part of the neighborhood. <laughs> well, cool. Great. That's terrifying. Next star. <laughs> don't want to think about ghost horses, and I also don't want to steal some very, like, famous podcast flavor. Um, uh, <laughs> ghost horses? Did somebody else... Has somebody else talked about ghost horses a bunch? Oh, dude. That was a... That is a classic My Brother, My Brother and Me bit. Oh, seriously? Oh, okay. I did not yeah. know that. That must be in an episode that I have missed. Uh, anyways. They had, they had, uh, what, they had merch is... about it and everything. Wow, really? Man, okay. Uh, I believe you. I'm just disconnected. Uh, what is our third star of the week? Dave, our third star of the week. This is a short one. Um, I was out for a walk the other day. I guess this is another walk update. Walk update. And I was up, just sort of walking around my neighborhood, and I saw a sight that I rarely see, which is a bird on the sidewalk okay. just grabbing a worm and eating it. Now, huh? here's the thing about this. I know that birds eat worms. Right, no, I know that birds eat worms. There's like, a whole sort statement, of... Of, there's a whole saying about it. Yeah, but I don't know that I've ever literally seen a bird. Did it, like, pull it out of the ground, or was it just there? Um, I mean, it it was dragging it along. I don't know, like, if it had... The, the worm was kind of wriggling, and it did not look like it had just been, like, sitting on the sidewalk. It also had, it like, just, just rained. Um, okay, because, yeah, I don't think I've ever literally watched a, a bird pull a worm out of the ground and eat it like spaghetti, which is, I assume, how they would do it. I <laughs> sure, don't know. of course. Now, here's the, here, here is the upsetting part about this, Dave. I looked at my watch when this happened. It was 7.38 p.m., and I felt like the world had been lying to me my entire life because this was the 7.38 p.m. bird, and it got a worm just fine. Maybe it was getting a head start on the next day's worms. No, no, no. This is not like when you stay up past midnight and you're like, oh, it's tomorrow. Like, no, this was 7.38 in the summer. The sun was still up. Maybe this bird, maybe this bird had commuted and he was still on like England time. So for him, it was like six hours in the future. I don't know, man. This is falling apart for me. Uh, yeah, I'm do, sorry. I do like I can the idea of a, a, a commuting bird. That's thrown you for like a real existential loop, I imagine. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. You always hear the thing about the early bird getting the worm. And I've always thought that was, uh, you know, a little... Yeah, I, I've never been a huge fan of that one because I'm not an early bird myself. And now, like, I, I felt a moment of having been lied to my whole life. But I also felt a moment of vindication. Like, yes, 
7.38 p.m. is a perfectly good time to get worms. <laughs> Sorry. I'm also laughing at uh, the cartoon that's playing in my head about a commuting bird. <laughs> he's oh. like, on the, like he's like on the train and he has like a tiny briefcase and people are giving him weird looks and he just stares back at them like, some of us have to get to work, Steve. Now, have you, in your uh, imagination of this, gotten to the same point that I have, whereas that sometimes that bird, like, gets up for a comedy open mic night, and he does the, I just flew in from Chicago and boy are my arms tired, and everyone's like, oh yeah, I get it. Because they're birds. <laughs> no, but, no, but my bird does have a tiny hat that he wears, <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, no, no, that works for me. Uh, like he does open mic stand up, and he's got like Four that other one birds. joke. Like he, right, he's got that one joke, or like that one joke. No, he doesn't do it for other birds. Definitely not. He's absolutely <laughs> doing it for humans, and he's got like that one joke, and that one joke crushes it. And uh, and like he tries real hard to like flow from there, but it just never works. Well, the problem is like other bird humor probably isn't quite that relatable to humans. Yeah, uh, probably not. <laughs> Anyway, bird talk. Dave, what is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star of the week, man, is like I said, I just got back from these. I just thought I'd tell you about, I don't know, my my travels? Uh, travels with, with Dave. Uh, so we did this kind of big, we did this big uh, triangle, basically. So the twins are only good in the car for like four hours. Like after four hours, they get very, very cranky. So what we decided is we would just... We would do as much as we can to sort of like break this trip up into four hour chunks, right? So we had this, we had a wedding to go to up in New Jersey, and then we had a, a big, like a week long conference that we were going to down in Virginia. And sort of like, it, it wouldn't have made sense to try and like get back from New Jersey to Cleveland, like because of the way the, the timing worked. Yeah. So what we did is we went from Cleveland up to Jersey over the course of like two days. We were there for like a few days and then we went down to uh, Maryland to visit mom and dad because they just moved back from Sweden. And then we were there for like four or five days and then we went to this conference in Virginia and then we went back to Maryland just to like cut the drive in half and then back to Ohio. We just got home yesterday, right? So we were in New Jersey slash New York City. We were in like Jersey City, which is like across the river from Manhattan, which uh, I only know because I was there. I, I know nothing about uh, New Jersey or or New Wing, New York like geography. I mean, so, I wouldn't I wouldn't judge you if you did. Yeah, I just don't. Um, I just don't want to like portray myself as like, oh yeah, it's right across the river from Manhattan. Like that's just not who I am. Yeah, I'm a New Anyways, York guy, <laughs> right? Uh, so here's let me say first of all that my experience in New York. Is like it's. I'm really torn on it because, on like, on one hand, I consider New York to be like sort of a hell pit of a city. Mm-hmm. Like, I never in a million years would I want to live in New York. The only way that you could conceivably pay me enough to live in New York would be to pay me so much money that I effectively would not have to interact with New York. Does that make sense? I mean, it seems like sort of a, a waste of living in New York for sure. What? No, no, no. But on the other hand, like, New York is really cool. You see what I'm like? I wouldn't want to, I would only want to live in New York if I had so much money that I could just sort of, like, ease my way through New York. I don't know. I, oh, yeah. I have complicated feelings on the subject. Uh, New York are. New York is lo- one of the cities that I, it exists in my head in a category that I like to call my magic door cities, whereas I would like to have a magic door that would just, like, bring me there, like a like a portal. 
Mm, okay, yes, that makes a ton of sense. So that I could live here and then go there, but, like, go there in such a way that I could just sort of, like, exist there as much as I want to and then, like, duck out. Yeah, so let me, like, paint two contrasting pictures for you here. Like, on one hand, we went to the National History Museum, which I love. Sure. The National History Museum is amazing. They've got like a giant, they've got like a 22 ton meteor that's like iron and it's sunk into the bedrock and that's the only way they can hold it up. They've got like dinosaur bones and all sorts of other stuff. It's incredible. I love it, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, when we first showed up, because we got this great Airbnb in Jersey City and we're like, oh, we need some groceries, like, because we need groceries. So I was like, okay, well, like, I'll just find a grocery store, like, punch in grocery store into the GPS and it's like, oh, there's like a Whole Foods a mile and a half from you. Great. I know, remember how I said I don't know anything about New York geography? Sure. So anybody who's listening to this in New York is going to laugh at me in a second. Because what I didn't know is that this piece, this uh, Whole Foods was in, it was a mile and a half away, right? But it was a mile and a half away in Manhattan through the Holland Tunnel, which goes like under the river or whatever <laughs> that separates Manhattan and New Jersey. I think it's a bay, I guess, anyways. So it took a solid 45 minutes to traverse the mile and a half. We drove around the Whole Foods, realized there was no parking because, of course, there wasn't any parking because it's Manhattan. Sure. Realized, like, well, we have the babies in the car, so we can't do this now. And then had to circle around the, like, labyrinthine streets that surround the entrance, like, back to the Holland Tunnel for an additional half an hour. And then it took us another half an hour to get back to the Airbnb. So I spent an hour and a half driving for no groceries. You spent an hour and a half not getting groceries. Yeah. So, like, contrasting experiences is what I'm saying. Uh, so, anyway, so that was... But Jersey City, uh, I don't know that I would, would recommend, like... We took, like, day trips into Manhattan, and, like, that was fine. We saw the museum, and it, and it was very cool. Uh, Jersey City was rad to hang out in. Really? Yeah. It's super great. Like, it's fairly small. Uh, it's really easy. It's like, it's very, like, it's a big grid, so it's very difficult to get lost. Like, it's easy to tell kind of where you are at all times. And there's a bunch of parks and, like, great little restaurants, and it's all very walkable. And then if you want to go into New York City, there's, like, train stops, like, subway stops, and you can pop right in. Uh, so, yeah, Jersey City rules. Like, it was great. Uh, so, like I said... We went up for, this has been Dave's thoughts on New York City. Uh, so, we were up there for this wedding, right? Uh-huh. And uh, I don't think Kevin and Miranda listen to the podcast, but if they do, hi, guys. Congratulations. So, Kevin and Miranda. Dave, I'm uh, sorry. Are we still on the fourth star, or is this the fifth star now? I guess this is the fifth star Or are we just now? sort of in, like, It's end- just, listen, I'm just, I'm just kind of rolling on this one, Matt. Okay. There's a lot. I was gone for two and a half weeks. There's a lot to talk about. Anyways. Kevin, uh, Miranda is Beth's cousin, um, and they're, they're very close. Like, Beth was in the wedding, and uh, so Beth and, uh, not Beth, and Miranda and Kevin got married, right? Lovely. Miranda and Kevin are lovely, lovely people. And they are, like, they're enthusiastic about everything. Like, they're fantastic. Uh, I, I wish them the best of everything. And that enthusiasm and zest for life mm-hmm. boiled out into their wedding. 
and it boiled out into their wedding in in the way that only a woman, Miranda, whose father works in like high-powered accountancy in New York City, and Kevin, who I don't know, I think like owns an insurance agency. Okay. Like, yeah. So that sort of financial resources bubbled out into this wedding. It was the most ridiculous reception I've ever been to. In what ways? Let Okay. So first of all, it was at the Park Savoy Estate. You've heard of the Park Savoy Hotel, right? Or I the have. Savoy Hotel? Yeah. The Park Savoy Estate is the estate that Savoy, I think, built himself in New Jersey. All right? Okay. So it's like a mansion. Pretty and nice, And then there's like probably. a golf course. Yeah, it's incredible. So we walk in, and there's three besuited saxophone players. There's uh, b- saxophone players, like, serenading people as they enter. These are not the only musicians. They are part of, like, a 20-piece live band that will be playing later. Okay, all so right? at some point, this is not a situation where the band is just spread out around and is all kind of playing their piece separate from all the others? Oh, no, no, no. Like, when the reception gets going, they all, everybody swings in on this bad boy. All right? So we walk in. There is a, like, a circular table, all right? And it's probably, it's it's like a ring. It's a ring because it's so large that, like, putting things in the middle would be untenable because you couldn't reach it. Like, this ring is probably, I don't know, 20 feet in diameter, Mm -hmm. all right? And it is laden with charcuterie and, like, cheese and stuff, right? To the left of that is an open bar. To the right of that is, like, a low-main station, all right? Where someone is just, like, cooking up low-main to order, and they have, like, little Chinese to-go boxes, right? So you got whiskey to the left of you, low-main to the right. Here you are. Stuck in the middle with you. Cruise, yeah, cruising in the freeway in the hot, hot sun. Uh, uh, past that is like a roast beef carving station. On the Wait, far did you end think of, I was going for how bizarre and not stuck in of, the middle with you? It's how it felt, yeah. I'm okay. just mad. No, listen, listen. that's fair. Um, so anyways, past that, on the far wall, Matt, is the raw, is the shrimp and oyster station. To the left of that... Well, you would want it to have its own station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the left of that, Matt, is uh, the mac and cheese bar. Okay. All right, where there's, like, mac and cheese, and then you, like, choose your mix-ins. It's sort of... It's like the Cold Stone Creamery of mac and cheese. Okay. All right. Hot Stone Creamery. Hot Stone (laughs) Creamery. That sounds sounds disgusting. Uh, But yes, that's what it is. Okay. (laughs) Um, apparently, like, back behind the bar someplace, like, in a slightly different alcove, was a sushi station. On the patio was the hot seafood station, where there's, like, oysters, Rockefeller, and Clams Casino, and some sort of, like, shrimp Alfredo dish. To the left of Yeah, to the left of that (laughs) was both the fajita station... (laughs) <laughs> and, and the burgers and fries. Okay. So we're walking around. Like, we're eating. 
Uh, like, we're eating this delicious food. Like, we're having some drinks. Like, we're trying to wrangle the babies. Uh, there was a babysitter downstairs, but, like, the babies don't do super well with babysitters. So, like, oh, yeah, they had just paid for a babysitter. So, like, you could just okay. drop your kids and, and hang. Um, so we're walking around. So this, and we're, like, eating all this food. This is not catering. This is high-end food. This is, like, they have built a, like, bespoke high-end food court. Yeah, this is precisely what they have done. So we're walking around, and someone says, you know what's crazy? This isn't even dinner. And I turned and said, <laughs> what? And they said, no, this isn't even dinner. This is appetizers. The roast beef carving station was an appetizer. <laughs> and I said, that can't be true. So I went and found the mother of the bride, and I said, Shanna, someone told me that these are just the appetizers. That can't be true. And she said, it is true. And Why I like I didn't even true? know how to I didn't even know how to respond to that. But it was true because after that there was a sit down dinner which was very nice uh and where they continued the open bar and then after the sit down dinner where the 20 piece band was playing for the reception we went back for dessert. How? How did you manage to do this thing? Well, we suspected that this might be the case. So, the desserts. <laughs> there's, obviously, there's wedding cake, obviously, right? Yeah, so let me just, like, walk you through this. Okay, listen, sorry, Matt, I'm looking. I know we're going long. You just need to hear about these desserts. Okay, okay. So, on the right-hand side, so, see, seeing you walk in. So, the giant table is now laden with, like, cookies and petty fours and, like, other little, like, handheld cakey bitey things, Oh, right? I see. So it's cool when they do a cookie, a cookie bar, but when I do it, you give me crap about it for 15 years. No, it's fine. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Listen. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, maybe what I should have <laughs> said, maybe you just didn't do a good enough cookie bar. Uh, so, okay. So giant cookie slash cake bar, right? To the right is the Belgian waffle station. Sure. Okay. Uh, ahead of to the that right of that is, is the German waffle station. <laughs> ahead of that, where they're they're actually cutting and serving the uh, the birthday cake. Um, I'm up sorry. The the birthday. Sorry, the wedding. Okay. Cake. So up against. The, I thought that this wedding. had gotten buck wild, and this was also a birthday party. <laughs> no, that would be more reasonable. But it no, this is just. I mean, listen. Uh, so past that is and guys, if you do this, I just want you to know. Because I think Kevin might listen to this show. I want you to know that I am so deeply in love with everything that you guys did. I, I hope in no way this sounds like I am. Um, uh, I love it. But anyway, so past that, uh, Belgian Waffle Station, birth wedding cake station, cookies. Uh, past that, oh yeah, is the Bananas Foster Station. Okay. And then to the left of that, well, like Bananas Foster with ice cream. And then to the left of that, there is a dude filling cannolis like to order. Uh, and then on the, like, the left-hand wall is the, uh, the, like, espresso slash cappuccino slash, like, adult coffee with, like, Baileys and stuff section. Okay. And then just, uh, closer to that was a dude who was frying donuts. Just, like, frying them to order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he just had a big old thing of hot oil and was doing... Well, they were like, it's like a New Jersey, it's just like a fried dough, but it's basically a donut and deep fried Oreos. So that was the desserts. Uh, and so we found Kevin and Miranda, we're like, guys, 
did they just show you the menu of selections that you could choose from? And you just said, yes. And they said, <laughs> yeah, basically, like, eat up. It's great. We're so excited we got married. So uh, so anyways, uh, there's a lot more to talk about uh, in my various travels, but uh, we're at a long five stars already. Yeah, so well, let's maybe talk we, about... we, can, uh, we can touch back on those in later weeks. Hey, uh, yeah, so. Let's uh, talk about something else. Yeah, uh, and the thing that we are talking about now is episode 30 of Chorky Sentai O-Ranger. It is called The Earth Sleeping Like a Log, and we will get right into it right after this. Okay, welcome back. So, we just watched episode 30. Uh, the Earth was sleeping like a log through a good part of it, uh, but thankfully I was not. So I was able to be awake to write notes down. Otherwise, this back half of the episode would be very weird. Well, it would match the episode then, Matt, because this episode was also very, very weird. We, um, we, we start this episode with, I, can I just with say, a, real a quickly, very serious question. I was really expecting, when these were mach- machine beasts, I was really expecting a lot more like, uh, like Transformers-esque monsters. Like, I was expecting the monsters to be much more, like, machine-oriented. I mean, They're, early in the season, they were. Yeah, for, like, six or seven episodes. And now, like, well, we'll just get into it, but you'll see. So, the episode opens up. We're on the moon. We are watching Baranoia, and all of the royal members of the Baranoia house are asleep. Okay, they are... Like, they're not asleep like you put a computer to sleep. They're asleep like a person sleeps. Prince Bulldont is snoring. Yeah, he's snoring and he's got, like, a little bubble in his nose. Yeah, which is, like, uh, like the, the bubble coming in and out of the nose is, like, in, like, Japanese... Uh, it might be throughout more stuff than just TV. Uh, it probably is. But I know, like, you see it in, like, video games and anime and stuff. It's a... A a standard visual representation of a person sleeping. But, like, sleeping, sleeping. He's a robot. Like, how is he... Why would they have the ability to sleep? They don't want to. They're mad about it when they wake up. Like, Yeah, that's that's actually, (laughs) like, it's a point that somebody makes. So... Yeah, okay. So it's just the royalty, and then I think, is it Acha and Kocha come in, and they're like, what are you doing? Machines don't nap. Yeah. So, like, and they he, like, know that something is wrong. Yeah. And then the the royal family are like, yes, why? We're so angry that we were asleep. And so, and we look over what we see. The reason that they are asleep is that this week's monster is called Bera Gusaka, and I, I'm assuming that means... That's some sort of sleep-oriented pun in Japanese. Um, and he is a very, very sleepy robot. He's just the, maybe the sleepiest robot. He, he's actually kind of cute. He's got these giant... He is. He's adorable. He's got these giant eyes. And I think the reason his eyes are so big is so that they could like articulate both upper and lower eyelids for it. So like you can see the whole time he's struggling to keep his eyes open. He has a giant sleep cap on. And why on earth did anyone build him? I don't like, well, what okay, was the so point? here's the only thing. I think we there is some establishment that you don't like the robots just sort of seem to come into existence. 
in some way. Like, they don't necessarily all get, like, built. I, and this is maybe a trouble with the fact that we haven't done an episode in a few weeks. Did we learn something about the Machine Empire that would, like, lead us to believe this? Uh, I, I, I thought that we ran into a robot that sort of, like, came into existence and they were like, where did you even come from? Or, or something like that. No, no, no. You know what it was? It was the Cactus Brothers. Because they were tearing them apart, trying to figure out why they, like, had feelings or something. Which I think led us to believe that they hadn't been, like, built by the Empire, like, as such. Because if they had been built, then we would have known, like, why they had emotions. It was something like that. Yeah. But in, in any case, if they did build them, why would you build a sleepy bot? <laughs> and why would you let the sleepy bot just come and hang out in the throne room? Well, okay. The only That kind of makes sense because wherever he... So the, here's the deal. He just sort of emits like a hypnotic sleepy sound field. Like it's he hypnotizes you to sleep with like a sound that he makes. So maybe he just wanders around and everybody around him falls asleep. So it's not so much that they let him in, it's that anybody who would have stopped him was asleep. Okay, so the Acha and Kojo wake up the royal family. Emperor Bacchusrath is furious, and he turns to Bara Gusuka and is like, Hey, um, you put us to sleep. That's not cool. In fact, your putting us to sleep has delayed the invasion of Earth by 2 minutes and 35 seconds, and that is unforgivable, and now I sentence you to death. <laughs> Dude, he is on a uh, tight Bankus, schedule. Yeah, Bankus Rath is getting pretty high on my list of favorite uh, big villains for this show. Like, I, I really appreciate the degree to which he does not operate by half measures. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, he sentences Baragasaka to death. And they, uh, and Acha, is it Acha and Kocha? Or like, no, it's, uh, up, it, it's the Empress. Oh, thank you, thank you. She says, wait a minute we might be able to use this to our advantage. Like, we might actually be able to turn this guy into a tactical asset. Let's send him down to Earth. Like, Acha and Kocha, you guys, like, handle it. Right. Like, he's not useful as, like, a fighting monster, but I think the idea is they're just going to use him as, like, a, a sleep bomb. They're just going to drop yeah. him on Earth and, like, just see what happens. Yeah. Well, and that is exactly what they do. So the next scene, what we see is it's uh, the jet, or the jet men, the O-Rangers. And they, the, well, they have jets is the thing. They do have so them. So the O-Rangers are in their jets, and which is pretty cool that they're they're keeping up with that. We haven't seen them in those jets in a long time. And uh, so they're in their jets, and they're, like, flying around. And they see one of the Barra flyers, like the octopus cannon flyery things. And it's just flying around, and it's just got Barra Kasaka strapped to the back. And the, the Barra soldier who is piloting it is, like, falling asleep at the stick. Like, yeah. desperately trying to stay awake before it crashes into Earth. Yeah, and the rangers, they're like, what's going on? Paranoia! But then they also immediately start to fall asleep. Um, and you just see, it's constantly flashing back to Barra who is barely staying awake through this whole thing. Um, so... The Rangers are sleepy. They're trying to shoot down the Barra Flyer. Like, I think they miss because they're so sleepy. Uh, they uh, they do connect with it, but they don't, like, blow it up. They just force it to crash land. Okay, so it crash lands, and then the Rangers are just, like, there immediately. I don't know where they parked their... 
No, they maybe they just jump out the bottom of it. They, they can do that, right? Yeah. We saw, yeah. So they Gore just jump out the bottom of the plane. while planes. he was on a motorcycle. Yeah, it was amazing. I don't know why they stopped doing that move. Uh, so they arrive and they are already henchened and uh, Baragasaka is there. And it's there's not even a fight. Well, I mean, like, there's there's a brief fight between the rangers and some Barra soldiers who have come down. And really the only notable thing about this fight is that there's one shot where, like, the camera has been placed sort of, like, in the creek next to where they're fighting and covered with a clear, like, plastic thing so it can see through it. So water is just splashing up onto, like, the lens of the camera almost. It's It's... It's a cool shot. That's the only cool thing about this fight. Yeah, I, well, my question about it is this, is that the Rangers are falling asleep because of Baragasaka, but so are the Bara soldiers that are supposed to be fighting them. Like, they're all falling asleep. So we don't understand how Baragasaka is supposed to be an effective weapon, because, like, his allies also, like, he ha- can't turn off his friendly fire. Well, the, the uh, thing anyway. is that for some reason, and it's never actually addressed, but Acha and Kocha don't fall asleep around Baragasaka. Like, it's it's not something that they're like, ah, for some reason, you are impervious. Just for, like, they forgot to write a reason why that was true, but Acha and Kocha are always awake when everyone else are, is falling asleep. Yeah, which would be more dangerous, except Acha and Kocha seem, like, basically incapable of fighting on their own. Well, the thing is that Acha and Kocha brought a gun. And it's not a huge gun. It's kind oh, of a big that's gun. That's right. I forgot about that. It's just like a... It's about halfway between a handgun and a rifle. It's just like a long-barreled pistol, sort of. Um, and Acha sort of, like, braces it up on Coach's shoulder and is about to shoot the sleeping O-Rangers when, out of nowhere, our hero, Ricky, arrives. Oh, yeah. And this is a man. For some reason, he is also... Like, he is immune. Like, he is completely immune to this, like, Bara Gasaka's sleepy effect. And so he just, like, he just wrecks Bara Gasaka. It takes, like, 30 seconds. Like, he shows up. He's already henchened. He just drops, like, King Victory Flash. And that's, like, that's it yet. I am sort of wondering, because we don't get it in this episode either. I'm wondering if we are ever going to get any sort of story attached to Ricky. In what way? Well, I mean, like, we have his backstory, and then in the last one or two episodes, he's shown up for a fight, but, it like, there is no continuing, like, he doesn't have any part of the narrative, like, he just shows up, like, he doesn't even show up with the other rangers, and it's like, hey, what's up, guys? He just, like, dives into the middle of a fight, and... And just fights. And then he's like, later, guys. And then he's out. Like, I just want to know if there's going to be more narrative attached to him. Probably. I mean, uh, right now we know that his main priority is, like, hanging out with and protecting Doran. So I'm sure he, like, monitors the situation, hangs out with Doran. And if it looks like they need him, he just, like, pops over and shoots somebody with a staff. I mean, it's not super satisfying, but I assume that's what's happening. <laughs> yes. uh, so anyways, Baragasaka gets blasted. Yeah, and that's, it just it. it is now destroyed. Episode over. Everyone go home. We had a good time this week. Ah, uh, except it's not. So we go back up to the moon, and uh, Ancha and Kocha are apologizing to Bakas Wrath. They're like, oh, we're super sorry. Turns out Baragasaka was real wimpy. Sorry, boss. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Uh, thankfully and, for them, 
uh, Emperor Bacchus Wrath is way more mad at Ricky than he is at Acha and Kocha, so yeah. they are able to sort of like slink away before he turns his wrath towards them. Yeah, so we flip from there down to the Omanger's base, and they're trying, they're like, we're not actually really sure why. And the chief says, I don't know, man, my best guess is that the 600 million years you spent in space in like a time warp dimension has altered your constitution for some reason in an unknowable way that has made you immune to this particular attack. Yeah, that's it. No further explanation. That's, dude, you know, man, I'm I'm delighted. Because you know what? We're always asking, like, couldn't you take the three seconds to give us at least a half-hearted explanation? And they did. I feel like after all these years, they're finally taking some notes. Well, they, they did take three seconds, and they did give us a very half-hearted explanation. A very half-hearted explanation. So we flip from there. That's it, by the way. There's no... That's the end of that scene. Um, we flip over, and Mr. Henna, the robot researcher, finds... Baragusaka. What is left of Baragusaka? Because Baragusaka was blown into pieces. And he just, and he's got the the shuttlecocks like on suction cups attached to his head again. I'm wondering if those are meant to be some sort of like, if the idea is that there's some sort of like robot sensor that he uses to find robots. Man, I don't know. Because I also feel like he doesn't really know that much about robots. Like he kind of does. Like he well, definitely he's researching knows Matt. He knows more. If he about... <laughs> knew, he wouldn't be a researcher. He knows more about robots than I do, right? But like not that much. Well, I mean, I don't know. Okay, so he's he's putting Baragasaka kind of back together. He's sort of using the parts to build a new robot. As far as I can tell, robots in the O Ranger universe are basically Mr. Potato Heads. Like, you just kind of jam robot pieces next to each other, and then they connect, and then it's a robot. Yeah, and he's literally just grabbing junk from around his laboratory. And and yeah, honestly, to call a, it a laboratory is, like, super complimentary towards this room. Yeah, it's a very dirty pawn shop. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, so, like, he's just got all sorts of stuff. Or maybe, like... Like an old garage. Yeah, so he, he jams enough stuff sort of back together and uses enough, like, duct tape and, like, bailing wire to put this thing back together. And he flicks the switch, and it turns on. And, oh, by the way, he's basically turned it into, like, a uh, like a music box or a tin soldier sort of deal where it has to be wound up. Yes. So, yes. Um... Here is a thing about this. So he winds it up. And that makes sense. At, in a minute, I just need to talk about this now because we're talking about the winding. In a minute, Baragusaka is going to start to run out of power because the he's going to start to wind down, right? Mm-hmm. And then he reaches up and he turns... His own crank. Yes. And he powers himself back up. Mm-hmm. You can't... You can't do that. That's not... You can't do that. Why not? Thermodynamics... Thermo, you can't do that. Thermodynamics says you can't do that. It doesn't make any... Dave, you're not allowed. You you are not allowed to appeal to the logic and of like science and thermodynamics when it comes to Baragusaka t- like turning his 
like key I just thing. like you're just not allowed I'm sorry I know you want to I want to as well but this show has not given us that option I okay man all right there there is I, a nice gag when he does that because he kind of overwinds it and I don't know oh, yeah uh, I really thought that they were gonna like play into this later because they talk about like supercharging him, and I thought it was gonna get weird. Yeah, and like listeners, I don't know how old you are or if you have like encountered a lot of music boxes in your life, but if you wind that thing too tightly, like it goes too quickly, and so like like the music that comes out of it is like weird and sped up and sort of messed up sounding, and that happens. It, like they speed up the the film and he's walking around way too quickly until it sort of like equalizes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so and then like I said they talk later about like overcharging him and I thought that this like this same gag was going to come back into play. It doesn't. This is just like a one-off gag about like winding springs too hard, which is which did work. Uh so anyways. So what I don't really know what Mr. Henna was trying to achieve because what he has just achieved is he has just made a very sleepy robot. I think maybe he was just trying to rebuild Paragusaka. Oh, we do see yeah. very, very quickly. We see Ancha and Kocha like looking on secretly and saying like, ah, yeah, like Mr. Henna. Mr. Henna does not appear to be working for the Baranoia Empire like directly. Dude just loves robots. Yeah, dude, they're okay. If this show had stayed on its original like darker path, there is a version of the Mr. Henna character that is really, like, creepy and bad. Because everything he does, like, he's way more interested in learning about robots than he is in, like, making sure humanity is safe. Like, yes. the, like the O-Rangers stopped the monster for this week, and then Mr. Henna rebuilt it and unleashed it on the world again just to do it. Mr. Henna is kind of, like, he's a weird character, and, like, I'm kind of happy when I see him because it's fun to see, like, a weird recurring character. But, like... Yeah, because he's so bananas. But, like, this is a bad dude. <laughs> yeah, he's... Like, I don't... He's maybe, like, an inadvertent enemy of humanity, but he is definitely an enemy of humanity. Um... Okay, so he winds his own spring. So, like, Barangasaka, rebuilt Barangasaka, is, like, just wandering around town with no clear objective. He's just wandering and putting people to sleep. Yeah, and, like, cars are crashing and people are just falling over. Yeah. Uh, there is a baby strapped to Not a real baby, a baby doll. Thank goodness. There's a baby doll strapped to his back. So my only thought is maybe, maybe Mr. Henna was trying to build, like, a put-your-baby-to-sleep robot. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe? Man, I, I do not... Okay, you know what? I'm going to go full-on J. Jonah Jameson here. I do not know if Mr. Hanna is a direct threat to humanity or an inadvertent menace, but he's one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, so the rangers arrive. Um, or not all the rangers are there. Who is it? It's just... It's uh, Shohei and Jury. Yeah, thank you. So Shohei and Jury arrive, and... They like they see the rebuilt Baragasaka and they are falling asleep like immediately. They are awake just long enough to call it in. Like they get on their wrist communicators and they're like, Hey, we found Baragasaka, he's somehow back up and running. We need to take care of it, and then they pass out. We flip back to base, and this is great, is that Momo, who is on the headset, is falling asleep. she's also 
being affected by the hypnotic sleep sound because like it's a sound thing, right? So she can hear it through her headset and it's also working on her. Yeah, and at no point is there like, oh man, this sound is putting people to sleep. Do they think, hey, next time we go out, we should put in earplugs? Yeah, uh, and also their hel- like it seems like their helmets should just have some sort of automatic, man, I don't know. Like, literally anything? Man, maybe the reason that everyone else is falling asleep immediately, but the O-Rangers, when transformed, are able to, like, kind of fight it, is not because they're, like, stronger in their Ranger form. It's just because having a helmet on literally muffles the sound a little. Yeah, man, that might work. Uh, Okay, so anyways, Baranoia, like, at this point, Ancha and Coach step in. And they're like, all right. Clearly, like, there is some tactical advantage to Baragasaka here. He's just not powerful enough. So they kind of grab him, and they just grab him, all right? They put him in a—it's like a transport truck or something? Yeah, it's like a big panel truck. Yeah, it's like they put him in a big panel truck, and there's, like, a bunch of paranoia stuff in there. And uh, the Rangers see it. And they're like, ah, that's that must be where the sound is coming from or something. So, like, they run up and they open it. And it's booby trap. There's an explosion, which is, there's an explosion. And then Barugusaka jumps out. And he has been rebuilt for the third time. Yes. And this time, his head is kind of shaped like a, like a big speaker. He's, yeah, he's got a big, like, gramophone head. Yeah. Oh, yeah, specifically a gramophone head. It's like an old-style-looking thing. Yeah, like an oldie-timey thing. Um, So he's super powerful now. Like, he's way, way, way more powerful. Yeah. But we do, we get a sort of uh, Chekhov's gun moment where he is, like, plugged into the truck. Yeah, they have essentially turned him into the truck's sound system and are yes. blasting yeah, it, a, like, yeah, around the parking that. lot. Yeah, so... The Rangers show up, they're already henchened, and if they couldn't deal with Barangasaka before, they definitely can't do him now. They they go down basically immediately. Yeah, and then... Or they're, like, they're fighting to stay awake, but they are not being effectual at all. Now, the Acha and Kocha are supremely confident. They're like, oh yeah, we made him louder, so now this will affect Ricky. There's no reason for them to assume this. Because, like, it, it's not like it kind of affected him before. Um, they're right, of course, because... Yeah, no, it totally, it absolutely does work. But there's no reason for them to be right. There is nothing in the script that suggests that they should be right about this. Yeah, um... Yeah, but they are. So, you know, so whatever. Uh, so anyway, so it it works like King Ranger, he's, he's resisting a little bit more... But he's he's still obviously about to go down. Um, and then we just see, real quickly, oh, sorry, uh, we see the chief, and the chief is, like, yelling encouragement into his headset, but then, like, the sound waves are about to put him to sleep, and he's like, wait, huh, and he takes his headset off, and he's 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 fine. Yes. Oh, by the uh, way, Dor- Doran, Doran is, there is with, with the chief watching this happen. Yes, yeah, thank you. And then we get a couple of great shots, and what we see is the whole city falling asleep. Yeah. Yeah, so what we see is we see some people in the road, and they are, like, at a stop sign, and they fall asleep. That's fine. And then we see a bunch of people on the street, and they fall asleep. And then we see a train, Mm -hmm. and what they actually do is just pause the train footage. 
And uh, I think it's maybe the, the people on the train are supposed to have fallen asleep. And of course, when you fall asleep, the train stops. Oh, dude, th- there's another shot. And then following. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You go ahead. You do this one, Matt. It's in an airport of an airplane, like just about to take off. And I, I don't think that it's meant to be that the captain has fallen asleep on this plane. I think the plane fell asleep, and I don't know what that means, but it's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, because what they actually do is just pause the footage. Maybe time this fell is asleep. All... Maybe it's time old... fell asleep. What's great is that it's old, like v... it's stock footage on like VHS. So when they pause it, you can see that, like, oh, it's <laughs> the very train blurry. And the plane are like super blurry because it's old footage. It's mid motion. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so so everybody's asleep now. So we go back to the Rangers, and they're they're fighting, and Doran arrives. Hooray! And she's holding Paku, and I hate Paku. <laughs> but pa- I hate that stupid Paku, lizard. Puppet. Paku saves the day. Doran has, by the way, uh, she is wearing like noise canceling headphones because she's smart. Yeah. Um, and apparently, whatever this is, it affects either airplanes or time itself, but it does not affect Paku, because Paku is able to operate normally. Yeah, he's totally, he's totally cool. Well, lizards don't have, uh, lizards don't have ears, Matt. Neither do robots, Dave. Neither do airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a joke. Like, lizards do kind of have ears. Uh, anyways, so, well, they don't have ears, but they can't hear. Anyways, that's not the point. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> so Baku runs over and he like bites the cord and that cuts the power to uh Barugusaka and everybody wakes up very surprised and then we go see we see everybody in traffic wake up everybody in the streets wake up and then they just unpause the footage of the plane of <laughs> the train they just keep going whatever they're doing um so there's a fight scene and it's a it's not a great fight scene but we there is a new song going on in the background oh, heck yeah there's a new song and it is just a dude yelling action 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 Something, 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 O-Ranger. Action, action, action. He's just yelling action over and over again. It's great. Uh, it is extremely good. I wish I knew what he was saying other than just action and O-Ranger. Yeah, if anybody could help us out there, that would be great. Uh, so they summon the Ole Bazooka. They shoot Baragusaka. Oh, he- there is a bit in here, by the way. I'm sorry, I just didn't want to pass it by. There is a bit where uh, Goro summons the Star Riser. And he's surrounded by Bara soldiers. And so he attacks. Oh, yeah, this is good. Like, he hits all of them. Okay, uh, back in college, uh, our friend Greek Mike was up visiting us, and we were watching the movie um, Equilibrium. Yes. And in the movie Equilibrium, and I'm sorry if I've told this story before. I feel like it's something that probably would have come up, uh, but I'm just going to say it again. In the movie Equilibrium, there is a scene where the main character like is in a fight. He like either he shoots a bunch of people, and then he stops, and then they all like dead fall over at the same time and greek mike said that that's how you know that this character is a ninja because he kills them all and then they fall over like there's a there's there's an order of operations here and that order of operations equals ninja and that's what we get with goro yeah it's uh it's pretty excellent uh but yeah then they just blow it up with uh the olay cannon yeah so they blow him up with the olay cannon and then uh he goes giant Cool. Um, and then, and then, and then you like, know what happens. They, yeah, then they summon... Well, they summon their giant robots. And it's a little bit like... They summon O-Robo. 
And then they also immediately summon Red Puncher, which I know that I have in the past said, like, why don't they just summon everything all at once? But this t- now I understand why they don't, because this time they do. And it really does seem like overkill, because Barugasaka was, like, not that tough. And they just immediately, like, they summon Orobo and Red Puncher and King Pyramider. <laughs> just like legend beat this dude. And when they all get stacked up, King Pyramider in its battle form is so much bigger than the giant monster. And like Barakusaka is sort of like a childlike monster. Like it's definitely a monster. It's a bad guy. But like you kind of feel like the O-Rangers are just bullying him at this point. Yeah, it does a little bit feel that way. Um <laughs> I think they actually look up at King Pyramid, and I can't remember who says it, but they're like, it's so big. Yeah, that, it's that's very, very large. Okay, yeah, thank you. And then they just do like Super Legend Beam, and then that's. Yeah, that like, is that's all, that, all they wrote. Yeah. Um, so we do get a little bit of a blurb at the end where Bacchus Wrath is faking a nap to avoid having to deal with Empress Hysteria, who's very angry, and she wakes him up. By drop kicking him, which is awesome. Yes, and she's like, if you've Robot, never seen, she's like, robots don't sleep. Don't pretend to be asleep. It, yeah, because if you have never seen a actor in a ridiculous like robot empress costume drop kick a dude in a ridiculously e- uh, equally ridiculous robot emperor costume, I submit you may not have truly lived. I don't know if I had truly lived until that moment. Uh, and then we just see Doran and Ricky sleeping in a tree. Yep, they're taking a and the nap. Rangers are like up in the tree. Yeah, and then that's that's it. Um, yeah, and that that is it for that episode. But David is not quite yet it for our episode because now it is our time to see where Baragusuka lands in the casino. Nope, in the creature nope. royale. It's been a yeah. couple of weeks, folks. Yeah. So I actually I like Baragusaka, even though he's not actually particularly effective. Yes, uh, because he is. I like the idea that he gets rebuilt a few times. I think that's pretty fun. And he does have, like, he's a weird dynamic because he himself is not actually very aggressive. He's like a support monster. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting idea. And, you know, I feel like that is, it kind of reminds me of the Pachinko Master. And I think that's probably a good place to start looking on this list. Okay. Because again, the Pachinko Master like had a lot of power in him, but was not particularly interested in using it. And then that got used by like the the larger enemies to put it on attack on the uh, Die Rangers. Yeah. Okay. So Pachinko Master comes in at slot sixty four, and I think you're. I agree with you. I think that's a good spot for him to to kind of be in and around, uh, which is actually just above the kind of middle of the list. He's just above the Ring Priestesses. Uh, above him is the Master Mirror and Dara Dara, and then Bara Hungry and Lieutenant Shirio and Fortune Telling Dimension. And below him is the Ghost Lantern from Kaku Ranger, and then Copy Entress, Empress uh, Bara Magma, and Kanagama the Slot Machine, also from Kaku Ranger, and then uh, the Sandwich Tsunakake Baba and Bakaneko, the Cat Lady. Okay, so. I. Gosh. I think somewhere in there is a good range. Um, Mirror, Master Mirror is the one that had imprisoned, um, Kujuku, right? I believe so. Okay. Yes. In that case, I'm gonna say, let's go 
down from Pachinko Master. Maybe below Copy Empress and above Baramagma? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, Baramagma was cool. He was pretty interesting. Um, like he had a, but, he had yeah, a, no, he's definitely not in the, in the Copy Empress realm. Yeah, Baramagma had, like, a cool look and an interesting plan where he was just going to, like, blow up a mountain. Um, but Copy Empress, Empress, like, cloned all of the heroes. So, yeah. I say, so that puts him at our, what, new number 70? That is correct. Right on. Well, that business having been concluded, Dave, that is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. You want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That's what's going to help new people find the show, and that is cool. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Um, if you would like to check out any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do so at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. <laughs>